Chicago hard, Chicago hard, Chicago hard. Up and into them, right from the start of the game. the Chicago State of Mind. We are a Chicago sports podcast from the perspectives of Southside guys with an unapologetic Chicago bias. If this city could talk, it would say Chicago versus everybody. Hey, Doug, what's the good word, fam? Hey, man, I'm cool, friends. Man, I'm ready to talk about some power, man. Shit, not only just power, hey, Doug, man, we got a lot to talk about, boy. It's been so much shit going on, so much shit going on. Audience, I told you I was going to be more consistent with this show. We are back. Yes, sir. But no, to Ada's point, we definitely got to get some power because, as you guys know, we're a little bit behind as far as our recaps, but I know some of y'all still care about what we think about it. So, Ada, let's get into it. So, Power Book Force, episode number six. Now, this episode right here, this is the one we teased last week, man. This is when Tommy, not only got him a new business partner, but he recruited (laughs) some soldiers, baby. Yeah, he did, man. This has actually got very interesting, you know, from, from a Tommy standpoint, man. Got the soldiers, of course, friends. Got to cook and everything else, man. But it's just interesting that what happened between him, Diamond, and him, Diamond, um, Jay, and Vic, man, how they all kind of like broke up to, to the point to where he had to do his own thing, you know? Yep, they weren't feeling it, man. They were like, no, nah. they because they, they felt like with him, they felt like Tommy too hot. <laughs> Yeah, which he is. I mean, he's been into all kinds of stuff since he's been back in Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. But now think about this. Now, you talked about it. Now, in this situation, Tommy, he had a different vision for things than our girl Claude. Right. And so that was interesting because Tommy was like, no, no, no. <laughs> he said, I know you want to do this thing with the expensive type of clientele and more upscale people. But Tommy's like, nah, man, we, we need to be thinking differently about this drug. Yeah, need that street drug, right? Need something a little bit lower where people can pay for it, want prices out the game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, you talked about the fact that they got to cook. Well, they got that chemist in the mix because Liliana, she wasn't able to figure out how to stretch that drug, so they had to get somebody that knew how to, you know, do all the, the chemical balances with the drug. And we'll go get into that in episode seven, but... As far as this episode six, the fact that Tommy and Claudia have partnered up to distribute Dahlia, that to me, I was like, that's a nice little partnership, man. 
Yeah, man. You know, she's been on to something anyway, want to do that part of the, of the game, right? Really get, get part of the business side of things. And now partner with Tommy, who know the street life, and she started knowing a lot of about the business part of it. That's a good, to me, I think that's a good tandem, Briz. Now, <laughs> we we talked about it in the last episode when Claudia and Maya were working together, and Maya didn't like how Claudia was working that drug. And then she was like, no, nah, I think I'm working with the wrong Flynn. And Claudia got her ass up out of there, right? Right, got about it. Yep, no doubt. But see, on episode six, though, this is where you see Tommy. He helped Claudia bury that body. Right, right. And remember what he told her: "There's two rules when you kill somebody: don't get caught, and they body never got to get found. Never get, right. it never gets found. <laughs> Can't find the body. Right, right, right. So he again, Tommy teaching her the game, right, Press? Mm-hmm. And also in this episode, we saw the funeral for Elijah. And we saw Jay and, Dino- and Diamond there. Diamond gave the moms a little package there. You know, you know that's you know how they do on the streets. You know, yeah, that's part of street code in a way. You know, hey, pay for what you got. Pay, you gotta pay your dues. Mm-hmm. But then, guess what? What did Jay say? He said we wouldn't have been burying the lieutenant if we hadn't been fucking with Tommy. Right, right. So what he do, Perez? He he put the little homie man to follow Tommy, right? And what we talked about little homie before. Now, you guys remember on previous episodes, the little homie was kind of uh, lingering around and, and doing stupid shit to the bar. And we know <laughs> now that that is his pops. Yep. And they're estranged. That's huge right there, Perez. So now you got a kid right there who's part of the family. And now he saw Tommy, right, talking to his father. You know what I'm saying? So, like, now he's like, oh, I can't really, you know, do no harm, really. To no, Tommy. no, uh-uh. Now, also, too, to get back to Jay, and honestly, we got so much to talk about but with CBI, but when you look at the situation with, with Diamond and, and, and Jannard, Diamond was real quick to remind his brother, say, hey, look, we all make that decision to go after the Serbs, so we can't right. put that off on Tommy. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing right there from uh, from Jake, from, um, yeah, from a Diamond perspective, like really letting the guy know that, hey, this is a team thing here. We all decide what we're going to do here. We were all on board. Things happen, yeah, for sure. But then on the Flint side of the of the of the um, of the fence, they lost a soldier in that fight to the Serbs too, Simon. And you saw at that funeral that Walter Flynn, that coffee is getting worse and worse by the fucking day. Man, we, you know he's sick, boy. <laughs> you know he's sick because you're right, friends. It's, it's starting to really show, and people are starting to see it. Yeah, because Claudia, she, you know, you saw, remember, you saw her, she, it really caught her eye. Claudia's a smart one. Mm-hmm. She over there calculating, she's like, oh, yeah, my old man, he getting, he getting weak. Right, right, right. And they all started to see, like, hey, man, old fella, go get checked out or something, you know? Um, but because the, the sickness you help, man, is becoming a problem. Now, that's a major problem, because I'm telling you, every episode I'm looking at, I'm like, ooh, bro, figure that out, man. What you mm-hmm. doing? <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm with you there, man. But how about this, though, Perez? What's up? What about Tommy telling his brother that he a drug dealer, bro? See, I, I ain't know about that. I'm like, you ain't known him long enough, man, to be... I was like, listen, Tommy, I know you <laughs> got a little comfortable in Chicago. Not a little too comfortable, because his brother kind of a square. At least at this <laughs> point, true. at this at this point in the, in the show, I'm looking at it like, I wouldn't have told him nothing yet. You know what I'm saying? Also, a dub. I would have been hanging out with my brother like that, too, because I wouldn't want the heat that I got to affect him. Yeah, you know how it is in these streets, man. They can't get you. They go out the family. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. 
Yep. So, yeah, man. But like you said earlier, man, <laughs> Vic and CBI, they cut their losses with Tommy. They done with them. You know what I mean? Yeah, but they got the pipeline, though. I mean, at least uh, CBI got the pipeline, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. But then how about, too, now you got a new partnership? Because, what, Jay? He spoke with Diamond about setting aside 10% tax on who? The Serbs. The Serbs, yeah. Serbs. Mm-hmm. You know, because now he's like, listen, when they come returning and asking them questions, we need to know what's up. <laughs> exactly. We need to have that bag for them, too. Mm-hmm. But also, too, with Walter Flynn in this episode, when he was passed out on bleeding on the floor. And on this episode, his number two was like, hey, man, you got to tell your kids what's going on. Word. Like he said, he got concerned about, hey, look, man, you can't leave your kids out there hanging. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Nope, nope, nope. Now, let me just say this. Audience, that Adel told you guys earlier about how Jannard hired D-Mac to spy and kill Tommy. So now we know, okay, Jannard really wants Tommy out of the game. But when right. D-Mac realized, wait, that's my damn uncle. No, no, no. Can't do that. And what did he do? He, he brought back that bread, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Can't do it. But you know another thing that I thought was kind of cool? how Tommy basically showed them the whole operation that him and Ghost had in New York. Remember when they went to the train station? Tommy was like, no, this is how we're going to move this thing. And Tommy had the suit on and shit. He started talking all proper, talking about crypto and shit. When they were asking him a question, <laughs> I started laughing my ass off. <laughs> Look at Tommy doing that turn it on and turn it off, friends. Yep. He, I'm like, shit, what, what happened to that street talk, Tommy? <laughs> right. <laughs> Tommy, no, man. That's what's up, man. He got that versatility like that. He really does. But this is where you see them starting to expand because then Liliana's going to a different group of people. Tommy's going to people. Uh, Claudia's going to people. I'm like, they really knew how to work to get this interest in this drug. Mm-hmm. They got it out there, man, and touching a lot of different people, a lot of different organizations, you know? So i like, they own this something now. Also, too, this is crazy because now Walter Flynn, he knows that Claudia's up to something. Yep. And, then, and when you remember, he tried to get Vic to spy on her. And Vic was like, man, I ain't trying to do all that shit. He's like, well, guess who's coming to dinner? He's like, my girl coming to dinner. What's up? <laughs> yeah, talk to right. Talk to me about that, right? Talk to me about my girl, Gloria, man. Hey, look, you know how Vic feel about Gloria. Dude is really in love with Gloria, man, without a doubt. But, you know, his father is very adamant. You know, like, he don't want her, him fucking with Gloria whatsoever, right? So there's just a lot in this episode to unpack because when you look at it, we're like, okay, we got Tommy kind of being pushed out of the inner circle. Which, yep. for Tommy, he's like, fine, I'm going to go partner up and figure this shit out on my own, right? And then, in this episode, yeah, and then in this episode, you also see Vic kind of looking at his father sideways. You see Claudia, who's already been looking at him sideways since the beginning of the series. So you start to see that that Flynn family started to have some fractures, they do. Yeah, they are, man. It's like they all going in, 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 what, three different directions, right? So it's like you got the, the son, Vic, going one way. You got, um, you know, um, Claudia, like you said, her and Tommy linking up. And then you got Walter Flay and his crew, how they think, right? So you got, they, they all kind of like going their own directions, man, on things from a business standpoint. So it's like, you kind of wonder like what's going to happen next with that family. Are they all going to stay connected or are they all going to branch off, you know? Um, and that's what we're looking to see what will happen with them. But I, what's up with that chicken diamond? Oh, yeah, you already know what that's about. She, listen, she just pulled up randomly, sitting in his spot, and we already know, audience, now. He ain't gonna, <laughs> we're going to tease this. But come on now. Ain't no story just going to show up like that. She knew what she was doing. 
She knew what she was on, bro. <laughs> no doubt. And I'm talking about she working some type of angle. And when I look at the situation between the two, Diamond tuning her ass up, the audience. We're gonna keep our eye on her. We're gonna keep our eye on her. <laughs> Definitely gonna keep my eye on her, man. Cause I'm not sure she can be trusted. Hell no. Hell no. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. Not, not at all. So what we find out though is this chick's a crime reporter. Mm-hmm. That's secretly writing about Diamond. So she hasn't revealed it to him yet, but we know, audience, that she's working some side of a story that's dealing with the criminal element there in Chicago. Now, also, what about Reggie? He was the one that was blowing Claudia's phone up, but Tommy didn't want him in on the deal. Remember that Tommy was like, no, nah, yep. I don't, don't want to fuck with him. <laughs> Reggie, dude, he took matters in his own, own hands. You remember that? He yep. followed after Claudia and demanded she give him the drugs, and Claudia, that was another dude she had to kill, and Tommy had to help her bury another body. Yeah, man. What they say? This is what we do, right? This is what we do. <laughs> That's that, man. But Tommy, Tommy did kind of warn her about Reggie. Like, look, man, we can't be doing business with Reggie. He kind of much more of a what? A, a, a coked out dude, right? He's he's a base head in a way. So you don't be doing business with that dude. No. And then we saw also seeing this episode to Walter Flynn walk right into that Serb restaurant, bro. Killed one of them Serb top lieutenants. He didn't give a fuck, bro. <laughs> Hey, friends, I was like, hey, man, Walter Flynn ain't afraid to get his hands dirty, man. After he heard yeah. his son, remember his son told him at first that he into with some serves, right? And he's like, mm -hmm. you want you Tommy, I'll do what y'all done did, you know? So, <laughs> <laughs> so Walter Flynn, like, I'm going to have this business myself, man. I don't even care, man. He went in there, man, like a gangster, friends. I was like, whoa, this old cat, man, he ain't, he ain't afraid to get his hands dirty, man. Man, he went in there and lit that shit up. And you already know, <laughs> that shit's about to kick off a big-ass war now. Yeah, man, a big war that pretty much Tommy may not be a part of anymore, right? Nope. Nope, nope, nope. So those are just kind of like the biggest takeaways for me from episode six. Let's get into episode seven real quick because in episode seven, A-Dub, this is where we see them getting into the ins and outs of getting Dahlia out there on the streets. Yeah, yeah. And, and listen, as everybody already has seen on these previous, previous episodes with this drug, everybody loves this thing. And this thing's a big hit, bro. Man, everybody that hit that, hit that man, they like, hey, where can I get more of this from? <laughs> mm -hmm. This is the thing. We already know Tommy's got big drug. Big, he's got big dreams for this drug. Now, we talked about the fact that they got the chemist in there. Tommy wanted to make sure that they had a designer version and a version for the streets. They now have that. So now this drug is ready to go. But we also see in this episode... There's really some shit going on with CBI, A-Dub. Jannard, he is not to be trusted. Man, he's going behind his brother back, Frizz. Yes, sir. Trying to do things, man. Even what? Trying to do things in Gary, right? Yep. He's not. So the thing is, his brother's like, no, nah, let's not do this. So he's like, like you said, Frizz, taking things, taking matters in his own hands now and trying to move the needle to do his own business, right? As a matter of fact, he even calls it CBI business. He's kind of like, look, this is what I want to do. This is what we want to do. He's like, this is my thing. <laughs> right. Him with his little boys. We've seen a lot of just like things that are kind of starting to percolate here a little bit. The Serbs, they sent a message to Vic, right? We talked yep. about that. When Walter Flynn got in there and he said, no, nah, no, nah, you ain't going to do that to my son. But we have that going on. That's the undercurrent. One other thing, artists, for us to talk about, we talked about Dahlia and how Tommy's getting that thing out there on the street. But Tommy remembers from him being in New York. 
and knowing that he's got a corner to market with this thing. And he's trying to put Claudia up on game because Claudia don't know. See, Claudia, she's thinking, I want this to be high end. And Tommy's like, no, nah, we about to print money if you do this my way. Right. Because Tommy kind of saw how things went between him and Ghost, right? When Ghost doing things and, you know, the hotel, and he's doing a lot of different things on the streets, right? So mm -hmm. Tommy kind of seen that picture. He's like, look, we can do the same thing somewhat in Chicago. And I'll tell you one thing, too. On episode seven, like, looking at Tommy and the way he was like, Tommy, he wanted what he wanted in that situation. He wanted a street version of that drug. He was not taking no for an answer. That shit was so funny when the chemist, she was like, I want to go on a date. I want to go home. I, I got to go to work. She had all these excuses she was making. They was like, oh, you can go on your date. Who was right there with on that date? Liliana? <laughs> that shit had me dying. I was like, hey, man, you right, man. Tommy ain't no joke when it comes out. He's like, man, I think she can make this drug. You're going to go with her. <laughs> You're going to go with the shop. You're going to be a chaperone with her, you know, when she go on that date. We now let this canvas get away. Mm -hmm. Now, one point that I did agree with Claudio when it came to cutting that drug was the fact that, you know, there's copycats out there, A-Dub. And yeah. to the point, the original Dahlia, which was for the high-end folks, that was one of the ones that it was really hard for that chemist to break down. But now what happens now when you dilute it a little bit, it kind of opens up the room that maybe somebody might be able to do that, possibly. Possibly. It does open up the door, man, to see what may happen um, down the road if someone tried to copy that drug. You know, you never know, man. But you're right. And it's talked about episode six with that reporter nosing around a diamond. And you think about it now. She got that motherfucker wrapped around her finger a little bit. You know? <laughs> hey, man, she's been on fan, man. man. Breakfast in the morning. <laughs> well, breakfast at night or whatever. Mm -hmm. She's been, she been on them, man. Like, she's not playing. She's not letting Diamond get out of her sight, man. But this is my thing, man. Diamond's an old school cat. You would think that he'd be a little bit more cautious, man. You know, but I mean, I understand it's been 15 years since you had a little woman pull up on you. But I'm just saying, <laughs> Diamond's super cautious about everything. He is. And with him being that cautious, Brad, you would think he have his antennas up when it comes out to this young lady. But and like I said, man, we keep seeing Jannard and his fascination with wanting Tommy dead. It's crazy. I'm like, boy, you really want <laughs> this man dead. Why won't you do it? Hey, man, he told the little homie, like, hey, Brad, wait a little homie. Like, man, I want to do business on Gary, but you know, you, you got something you got to do for me. Yeah, <laughs> we gotta go back and, and check into this white boy, right? That's what we call something the white boy. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, man, leave a little homie alone, man. You still worried about Tommy, man? Let Tommy be. But how about D back getting cut out the Gary deal by his boy? Yeah, they got to that fight right downtown, man. He uh -huh. came back and knocked him aside his head. And then, <laughs> oh, then all hell broke loose, right? I say, oh, these are two little homies. They got into it, man. That shit had me cracking up. I'm looking at this shit. I'm like, all right, little homie's getting into it. But they was wrong for that. They cut him out. I'm sitting here like, y'all had the idea. I know that that's your cousin. But at the same time, bro, y'all had this idea. How y'all gonna cut him out on it? That wasn't cool. But you know what that went up doors for, Perez? It's opening up doors for the trust issue to be broken, right? Now the mm -hmm. trust is broken here. Now, like, I don't trust you guys. Y'all probably don't trust me now. Mm -hmm. So you know what that means. I can go any other way I want to go. Now I can go somewhere else. And I think that's what's going to set the stage for the later episodes that we're going to get into with the audience because right there, when you look at D-Mac, you will see a kid that's lost. He don't have a sense of family, right? He's looking for something right. out here. He's searching for something. And he's not finding it with CBI. So this is going to set the stage, like A-Dub said, to see where things go with, with D-Mac. Because he seems like a good kid, man. He just seems like he's lost a little bit. Yeah, he's he a little lost right now, Press. It seems like a smart kid, too. It's not like he's dumb at all, man. He knows some stuff. Mm hmm Now, 
you talked about JP. So for episode six, we see JP, his debt situation. I feel every time I see JP, I, I, I swear to God, it's not supposed to be funny. But I'd be laughing. I'm like, bro, he got so much drama going on in his life. Every, <laughs> every time he'd be on the thing, he, he got phone calls, bill collectors calling him, people shooting up his bar. I'm like, damn, bro. <laughs> it's always a sad story with him, man. I'm like, man, always. Like, you going through some stuff, man. Tell me, like, kind of like fall into it. Like, you know what? Yeah, you may need some money here, man. You may need some money there, man. So it's always a sad story. But also, too, JP, he keeps trying to get in with Tommy, right? Right. Because he's like, hey, I want to make some extra money. But Tommy's like, man, I don't want you anywhere near this game. He's like, I'd rather give you the money. But JP, like, no, I want to work for it, which I respect that. Because it's easy to take a handout. But JP, like, no, I want to put in some work. Yeah, I ain't nobody charity case what he say, man. I got to earn my money. I got to earn my way. But then I also respect Tommy and the fact that he realizes that everybody that he's been associated with in the game is no longer here because of the game. And he don't want that for JP. Right. So now Tommy's trying to figure out probably how to protect him at the same time. Because now you know I'm a drug dealer, right? Now I got to also protect you as well. I know you're home, but you want some money. But at the same time, I want to keep you safe. Yeah, that's a good point, Doug. Because I feel like Tommy, he's probably looking at this. This is all the family I got left. He's not fucking with his mom right now. So right. his brother's all he has. So he probably wants to distance him and keep distance him and keep him as far away from that shit as, as possible. As much as he can, man. Now, I was gonna say this earlier. We talked about Claudia. And Claudia, when I'm looking at her partnership with Tommy, she gonna learn real quick that you need to listen to Tommy. When Tommy's telling you something, he's giving you free game. Because what Claudia doing this episode, man, she out there trying to bring Dahlia to random people out there. Right, and we, right. Old, and we saw the old Tommy pull up, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, man. Tommy had to set us straight with that. Like, hey, you can't be doing this here, man. Look, you can't be going behind my back on stuff. And he killed them two people outside the damn, um, outside the lab. And that was that Tommy from fucking New York, bro. I was like, that shit was cold-blooded, Tommy. Yeah, he did, definitely. <laughs> he offed them with 0.2, man. They didn't, they didn't hesitate at all. And those were the, but the plans, people, right? Yeah. The plans. Yep. yep. But it ain't Tommy's problem. And what, you know what he did after he told Claudia what time it was that he said, you go out there and deal with them bodies. <laughs> exactly. Put that off on her. Like, hey, this is your problem here, not mine. Now, I will say this, though. In that situation, we know Claudia has not learned her lesson, A. And then B, when Tommy and Liliana were talking, Liliana put him on the game. She said, look, you can't trust her. Yeah. You know, Liliana about business, man. And she kind of see. Like you talked about before, Perez, how Claudia can be a little reckless this time, man. Mm-hmm. And that's what she's doing. She's acting out. Sometimes you can say she's acting out of emotion. But, yeah, man, she kind of like, go down the wrong path at times. And like I said, in this episode, Tommy wanted that street version of the drug. He believed that Lauren could get it right. I mean, when he was looking at it, I was like, shit, she's going to figure it out. She's going to end up dead, one of the two. And Tommy was like, I don't want <laughs> to do that to her. But she got right. it, man. She got it right. And like you said, when they all was sitting there at the end, they all took a little sample of that drug. I was like, yeah, Tommy, like, all he see is dollar signs right now. That's all he see. But how about your boy Jay taking the drug, though, Chris? Oh, yeah. Well, sh- that girl, she, he, he, Jay wasn't going to say no to that. You, you you saw what Jay was on. That girl was like, <laughs> I don't know nothing about nothing. She's like, but here, take this. <laughs> man, hey, Jay was all on that drug. That, man, what he straight tail dive about the drug? He was like, man, look, having the female... That's one thing, right? The female magic. <laughs> Dealing with that. But this drug right here, 
this is different right here, man. This is different in the game. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing. Diamond was kind of resi- – he was resistant about it, right? Because he's like, I'm not going to try it. But what did he do? He pulled up on Tommy. Yep. And that was a really funny scene. Because Tommy act like he's like, I don't know nothing about it. <laughs> <laughs> that was crazy right there. I thought I thought Diamond was going to call him out like, you do know something about this. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I thought Diamond was going to throw him on the bus on that point. But Diamond like, okay, you don't know about this here? There's something about this drug I need to find out more about, you know? But you're right. Tommy over there, here acting like he don't know nothing, man. This is my question to you, Doug. How Tommy just gets to Chicago and he already setting up shop? He already got stuff going on in this town that people don't even know about. For real? <laughs> hey, man, I don't know how you can let a guy come in outside like that and do all this, man. I'm surprised nobody off the, off Tommy, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I know Jake wants to, right? <laughs> uh, but it's like the Flans ain't done it, Prez. They haven't done it. I'm, su- I'm surprised there. And then it's like, okay, anybody else who know what's been going on? The serves, right? So it's like Tommy's still alive, man. It's crazy right now. If this was real life, Tommy would not still be around. He nah. would not be. Nah. Too many enemies. Too, Too many, many enemies. enemies. Man, Tommy would have been up out of there, man. He wouldn't even been able to walk outside. The moment he made that move, the moment Tommy gone. When those guys got together, Vic and Jay, you know, Diamond, they said they're going to get rid of Tommy out the game. That's the that's the time that Tommy's out of the right there. Easily yep. a time. You're gone, dog. Because yep. <laughs> you got to think about it. Tommy got no muscle in the shot. It's just him. Just him. <laughs> that's what's crazy about all this, Perez. It's just him. And, and mm-hmm. now he's running Liliana, right? Really? It's just really Tommy and her. Right. But she ain't really muscle. She a soldier, though. But she ain't really muscle, though. Right. She is right. She a soldier. That's a good way to describe her. She's just a soldier who can take a lot of punishment. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, so all this, that, that is our recaps from episode six and episode seven. A-Dub and I got you guys on episode eight and nine next week. But I'm telling you, this series, it surprised me, A-Dub, because in the beginning, I didn't know what to think. But I'm, I'm really, every episode, it gets better and better. And I'm like, I'm really liking this season of the show, man. Yeah, Perez, I'm liking it because it, it got so many different storylines, man. And then the storylines kind of change, right? <laughs> Depending mm-hmm. on what time you go, like, man, now we got a whole nother thing to think about. And then that, that, that whole Gary thing, bro, that's a whole nother element itself. Ooh-wee. And we're going to talk about that on the next episode because that Gary pipeline about to be open for your boy, Jay. Yes, sir. Love to get into that one there. Yes, sir. We're going to get into that one next week. But let's get into our sports coverage here for the rest of the show here. So, A-Dub, baseball is back. Spring training is going on. We're getting the baseball clips and the highlights and arbitration. And, oh, it's, it's, it's great. So I thought we would give the audience a little preview for our teams for the upcoming season. So, hey, Doug, since I'm a gentleman and a scholar, I'm going to kick it over to you. <laughs> Talk to the audience about the Chicago Cubs 2022 preview. Talk. Man, the 2022 Cubs. It's not what you expect. It's going to be different. A lot of new faces around this team here, Perez. Some faces you saw this old, but a lot of new faces. I mean, from a pitching staff, you know you got, you know, your boy Hendricks. You got Stroman we done picked up. We got Wade Miles we done picked up. And then you also got Drew Smiley and then Justin Steele. Those guys are probably going to be a big part of that rotation, man. So you got those guys right there that people probably don't know a lot about. But, again, it's going to be a new look when it comes down to that rotation there. And then, you know, you got some guys from last season, for example, who made those trades, you know, with Frank the Tank, Schwindel, Patrick Wisdom. You want to see if these guys can pick away left off at, right? Then you got Nico Horner, who's coming along. People want to see him in the infield. And then also Nick Madrigal, right, that came from the White Sox. That's a kid I'm really looking forward to seeing because I know that dude can hit. And he then sure can. 
You yep, sure can. You, you know Preston experience. You saw him, right? You guys saw him. You know what he's about. Oh, I, I listen. I talked about him on the show. Listen, I didn't like when we traded him in the in the trade for Kimbrel. I didn't. I didn't like it then. And you talk highly about that, <laughs> so I give you your props on that, Prez. So you yes, you all gave us a good one. But then you add on here, Prez. Um, say say a Suzuki, right? Oh, Suzuki, yes sir, yes sir. Man, sign him, Prez, and I did. I went down looked at some film on this guy, man. I had to. Like, what kind of guy are we getting coming on board for that kind of money? That dude can really hit, man. I had him in spring training, Prez. His last, his first, his first game, then go to where he had some jitters going on. I get it. But his second game, when he cracked that home run spring training, I was like, okay, that's what we're looking more to seeing from him. That guy can flat out hit, man. So that's the guy I'm really looking forward to seeing play, Prez. So when, when I look at this team, yeah, you're right. You, you guys got natural. He's a hit machine. You guys are welcome. But listen, we got Eloy from you guys. So it, it, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> so all good. But Last year, you talked a lot about Patrick Wisdom on the show, and I think that that's going to be a guy that's going to be really good in this lineup, Frank Swindell, Rafael mm -hmm. Ortega. You guys got a decent young lineup. Now, this is not a team that's going to compete. So, audience, right. you guys already know. This is probably a 70-win team at best. But yep. you never know. Stranger things can happen. And it's, yeah, not, like the NFC, it's not like the NL Central's a juggernaut. Right, right. Now look at them somewhere in the middle, press, middle of the pack, kind of a team, you know, unless they shock the hell out of us, like you say, hey, you know, so I don't want anybody going to the season with high expectations on the division. Nah, I don't get your hopes no, up that high. No, but people just know don't. that, right, you're right. So just keep them, keep them 100. It's a team that's going to probably do some exciting, exciting things. They got some nice little pieces on the way as well. I mean, we got some guys right now in the farm system who I'm looking forward to seeing, Perez. You know, I know um, Brendan Davis is one of those guys that who can flat out hit, Perez. He's a prospect. You may see him in the outfield at some point in the season. Hey, I'm not sure when Ed Howard's going to come up, but we got some nice little pieces down there as well. So don't expect a whole lot from this team right now. Just know that, you know, in the near future, things will start to look good. And I'm, I'm just thinking about something, too. So I named a couple guys there um, in that lineup, but Jason Hayward is someone that you have not talked about. And this is still someone that has a high salary that sits on this team. And he's probably projected to come off the bench this season. And you know what, Perez? I was hoping that they could find a suitor to trading him. Because I'm like, you know what? That's a lot of, like he says, a lot of money on the table with him, man. So I'm not so sold on Jason Hayward. I think from what I've seen from the past few years, you know, not a lot. I know he's a glove out there, but you need outfield to hit. And this guy has not really hit well enough for me to say, you know what? He's worthy of being in the lineup that consistently. So for me, I'm with you, Perez, that, hey, I, I wonder what they might have up their sleeve when it comes to Jason Hayward. They probably can move him. Or like you said, like, that's a fair point. And that's something that, because like you said, that glove from Jason Hayward, that's gold glove worthy. Just the bat. It just hasn't translated well. He's been very inconsistent there. But you brought up Marcus Stroman's name. And I thought that that was a hell of an acquisition for the Cubs. You brought up Suzuki's name. And when mm -hmm. I look at those two acquisitions, I say those are guys that are a bridge to probably by the time the Cubs are contending again in the future. You know, right. so Stroman is a big piece. And I really like his energy. The fact that he's in Chicago, he's embracing it. I wish he was on the other Chicago team. But however, that's not the case. But hey, I thought that was a good move for you guys. Oh, appreciate that, man. So we got some, we got some tools, right, Fred? We got some guys, man, in pockets. You know, um, it's not a team that you can say, like I said, it's going to do big. But the fact that we got some guys who can still do something, I'm cool with that. I don't know what's going to happen with Wilson Contreras. I really don't know, Fred. That's been a lot of talk about Wilson Contreras and him and his contract and things of that nature. So I don't know what's going to happen there. But I would love to see Wilson Contreras remain on this team because I still think Dude is a solid catcher. I mean, the dude be throwing cats out for us. He got that arm. I'm just a fan of Wilson Contreras. Listen, even as a Sox fan, I could just give props where they're due. 
Bruce Gutierrez, he also brings a lot of that toughness and he brings a lot of that leadership to the fray. He didn't like the way the team was playing last year before the All-Star break. He called the team out. I love yep. that kind of shit. You know, and so a guy like Wilson Contreras, the Cubs, they better pay him because I think a guy like that, you, you rebuild, even if you are in a rebuild, you re- rebuild around a guy like that. Yeah, you need a, you need a solid catcher, man. You all knew from experience from last season, right, how the catcher played y'all, right? So if you don't have a good one, you in trouble, man. Well, I wouldn't say that uh, Grandal's a bad catcher. I just think that down the stretch – the pitcher staff didn't help him out. They didn't hold runners. There was a lot that was at play there. I mean, baseball people would say Grandal is a solid catcher. And in fact, what other people might tell you too is Grandal might be better off maybe playing a little bit more first base, more DH. I you don't too. think that you should be your full-time catcher. I think that's the problem with the Grandal. But he's that a good player. It. Good hitter, draws a lot of walks. But what I will say, what the White Sox have to do, and we're going to segue over to the White Sox here because – when I look at this White Sox team, on paper, you got a mm-hmm. top five defense, top five offense. They're yep. prepared for a deep playoff run. I was surprised that we got kicked out of the playoffs when we did this year. But listen, I'm not going to cry with spoiled milk anymore. The shit happened. We move forward. But when I look at this team right now, only thing I think about is how well positioned are we for a playoff run? And I think that we're in a good spot. I mean, when I look at this team right now, we got a rotation that's led by Lucas Giolito. Lance Lynn, I talked to you guys last season about how huge that acquisition was for us. Now, ugh, Carlos Rodon, <laughs> no longer with us. That hurts me because I love Carlos Rodon. He ran out of gas there towards the last part of the season. So didn't work out the way that we thought to. Thought it was going to work. But this season, Dylan Cease, he's someone that I, we're going to be looking at to take that next step. Michael Kopech. He's looking like he's getting ready to enter the rotation. But the wild card with this whole rotation is Dallas Keuchel. Now, I know a lot of people will have jokes and and this and that and blah, blah, blah. But Dallas Keuchel, before he came to the White Sox, was a quality starter in his league. He didn't get it done last year. And I think the key for this rotation is how well he bounces back here in 2022. Dallas Keuchel, because you're right. (laughs) He didn't look too great last season. His career-wise, he's, he's fine. But I'm, I'm glad you mentioned him as being somebody that's a, that's a piece for you all. But I'm also stuck on Kopech. I mean, I, I don't know what to expect from Kopech. Is he really a starter or is he a guy to come off the rotation, Press? I mean, if he does do great as a starter, that's good for you all. But those two guys, Dallas and Kopech, to me, I think they are both, to me, are wild cards for you all. Because both one of the two got to do well for you. Now, I will say this. In his short stints, the guy was impressive. I mean, okay. I think about it. He struck out 103 batters last season in 69 innings of work. And his control was on point where he only walked 24 people. Now, the mm-hmm. reason why I bring that up is everybody falls in love with this guy's velocity and how he has that heater. Right. But I want people to realize that the more innings of work that he starts to get under his belt, that velocity is going to be impacted a little bit, right? Yeah, now, yeah. But that's why – is going to be a comparative to see how his slider's working because he's going to have – but I will say this. Some people may even say that his slider last season was a more effective pitch for him than the fastball. So he's not just a two-pitch pitcher, but I'm just saying that when you look at a Kopech, it's the slider and the fastball with him. Now, his curveball, his changeup. See, now these are things that when I'm thinking about this guy, when people will push back and they'll say, I don't know about him being a full-time starter. Well, you got to look at his repertoire, what he's bringing to the table. Because 
that has swing and miss potential for those batters that are having to face those type of pitches. And I think that he's going to utilize a lot more of that toolkit when he gets inserted into that starting lineup. And a lot of these hitters haven't seen a lot of those type of pitches from him. So I'm telling you right Right. now, that guy's got an impressive – he got an impressive arsenal, and I'm excited to see what he's going to do here this season in a full-time role. Me too, Prince. I'm I'm really excited for him. But you know what? I am interested in seeing him. Because you're right, because he can be the guy. I mean, if he show all of his stuff like that, Perez, that's his next level, man, because he got the talent. And Dylan Cease, I talked about him. He took a major step last season. He did a really good job of cutting down on his walks. Now, he still has a decent it's, – it's still a little high for my, for my liking as far as him walking people, but he had a really good improvement. Now, if Dylan Cease can continue with his control improvements – I think it's going to lead to a little bit. It's going to lead to more strikeouts, and we're going to see this guy piggyback off of the season that he had last year. So honestly, losing Carlos Rodon, yeah, that that hurt. However, I think the additions we're making, and also Dallas Keuchel improving, I'm going to say it again. That's going to be the key for me because this lineup is a fucking juggernaut. I don't have to tell anybody about this damn white size lineup. Lewis Robert, who is going to be a motherfucking star in this league. This guy is dripping with star potential. We got him. Yoan Mankata. T.A., my boy, Lil Uzi Vert. I love me some T.A. You guys know that. <laughs> yes, sir. Doll, who I was just talking about. Eloy Jimenez. Oh, my God. So much talent on this offense, bro. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. And we're not even talking about guys like Lurie Garcia, utility guy. Adam Engel, love him. Gavin Sheets who was one of the few guys that actually hit in the playoffs, A dub right? Mm-hmm. That's true. Yep, I'm with you. I'm with you. Andrew Vaughn, he's another guy. There is so much talent on this team and this lineup. That's why I'm like, if we can get that pitch in the right way, I love the moves that they made in the offseason with the bullpen. Brother, if we get anything less than 95 wins in this season, I'm going to be disappointed. I'm going to be so disappointed. And I believe your boy Andrew Vaughn out there having a very good man <laughs> spring training right now, Perez. Oh, he's so, raking. He raking. He raking. Yeah, man. So you guys got some guys, man. Even your second base. I like Josh Harrison. I think you all got him for a one-year deal. Um, yep. He's solid, I think. So, you know, you're right, man. Y'all in a good place, man. And when you have a good team like this here, you already know, Perez, it comes with expectations. So can the White Sox meet that expectation? We shall see. But listen, it's a good problem to have, man. We got an embarrassment of riches here. Yep. The only thing, I, only thing I gotta pick on with the White Sox is the fact that why y'all, um, why y'all didn't want to pay Lucas Giolito? Why did he have to go to arbitration? <laughs> I like that shit. Over fifty k, right? Over fifty k. <laughs> you got to be kidding me, man! This guy, Giolito, really? Come on, man! Pay him the fifty, man. Make it simple. Let's not go that right over fifty grand, man. I know it's a lot of money for Prez now, but you talking about bigging their owners? Like, hey, pay the money. Because you got to think about it. <laughs> this guy right here, he's earned that shit and then some. Pay him. And we've talked about this with the Sox in the past. They've been smart to lock up key players early. We locked up Eloy early. We locked up Robert early. We locked up T.A. early. You got a lot of guys on this team that are not making what they should be making. Even Jose Abreu. Right. His contract, when you look at it, yep. isn't what he should be making. So we got to pay this. You got to pay somebody, man. And even the and even the deal with Giolito, I thought it was a fair deal. Yeah, seven well, what he was asking for. Yeah, seven point five, right? I'm like, that's yeah. not too bad. I thought for a guy that had a good season like that. Yeah, I thought. And they counted with seven point three. I'm sitting up here like, really? 
petty, right? You're like, y'all really being petty right now. I don't like that shit, man. There's no way that he should with the arbitration because situations like that, A-Dub, that leaves a bad taste in the guy's mouth. Yeah, and I get it. You will not get it, Perez. It's a business, right? But come on, man. Not over that. Not over that. Just nah. go ahead and write it off. Say, you know what? Go ahead. 7.5. We cool. Let's call it a day. In fact, shit, what's going to happen, that shit's going to backfire on him. He's going to have another all-star season, and that fucking price is going to go up. Right. For real. Once he do that, now you really got to pull out the bag. What you going to do then? And see, that's the thing. That's when you lose a guy. Because the White Sox, you, like I said, I, I, I teased it earlier. You know, Jerry, he sometimes with pitchers, he don't like signing pitchers to extensions. He's got a weird thing with pitchers. I've noticed that with him. So I just hope, for our sake, as White Sox fans, and any of you guys out there that listen to this show, hopefully, G. Lito loves the atmosphere of that clubhouse. Hopefully the White Sox win it all. And he just says, you know what? I just want to play with my brothers. Because you know how that happens sometimes with guys. They'll yeah. say, you know what? I like this situation so much. Fuck it. You know, I'll give you guys a hometown discount. Right, right. That's what you like to hear about that stuff like that, Perez. But when you start being petty with a guy, it's like, you know what? I want all my money now. <laughs> yeah, so well, that's it, it, it runs that risk. But like I said... I feel like that clubhouse, they're close. They have fun together. I mean, that White Sox team is a whole vibe. So It is. So I think for, for that stake, if they can just continue to have those good vibes going, I think Giolito will come back in the fold. We'll see what happens there. But I just didn't like the fact that they were playing games with this man over 50K. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> I'm with you there. I'm with Stupid. you there, man. Stupid. It's crazy. Well, speaking of playing games. Let's get into our University of Illinois content now. All this, I know you guys thought, oh, man, but they won't close the loop on the season. Uh-uh-uh, not so fast. Because now we get transfer portal news for y'all. Not only just Andre Curbelo going into the portal, which I told y'all. Did I tell him they up? I said I had a sneaking suspicion that he would enter that portal. And with that being said, I'm not surprised by the move because of two reasons. The first reason, when I was at the second round game when they played against Houston, I saw Cabello before the game having an anima animated argument with the refs over some jewelry or whatever it may be. He couldn't wear it, whatever the case may be. But then we also saw that Cabello had a very inconsistent first half. Brad benched him in the second half. This is on top of the fact that Cabello had a disappointing sophomore season. He had the concussion issues. When he came back, he was a shell of himself. And for me, when I saw his name into the transfer portal, I said, you know, I'm going to miss Corbello. However, I'm excited that he's going to get a fresh start because I think that he needs a fresh start. I think things got a little stale for him in Illinois. And, Prez, I'm glad you brought that up because you were definitely the guy who was spot on with this whole thing that, hey, it's possible that Corbello could be gone, man. You called it up. And for me, just watching those last few games, I kind of felt like something was off. With the team, and I couldn't pinpoint what it was. Did something happen? I don't know. You know, with the, was the benching thing? It's like you kind of felt felt like something was going on there, man. And then just to see when he come out and say that he's out of here, you know, thanking everybody for you know the great times he had and some of the bad times he had. I'm like, so what's really some of the bad times? Can you elaborate a little more on that, right? So maybe it was the last part of the season, you know, with him having the concussion and how things just didn't unfold for him. So it's just unfortunate to see him leave, though, but I know he got to do what he had to do for himself, right? Well, yeah, I mean, he entered this season. Before the season, he was on watch lists for, on watch list for being an All-American. 
He right. showed up to the uh, to the Big Ten media day with Kofi. There were major, major expectations for him this season. It didn't happen. But like I said, I'm happy for the guy if he's going to get to a place where he can be a best version of himself again because he was not that this season. You could tell right. he was just gutting the way he was gutting his way through this season. And we know with the way that this transfer portal works now, that you're going to have guys that you're going to lose. It's just going to happen. You're going to have a guy that maybe doesn't like their role, or you have a guy that's looking at his stock and he's like, "I want to get to the NBA. I want to right. go to a team that's going to feature me." Maybe I don't like the number of looks I got in the offense. You never know. But you're <laughs> going to see a lot of situations where guys are going to use this transfer portal to get to the next level in their career. Now, let me ask you this, Perez, because I know, again, you've been detailed with covering Illinois. You've been covering them heavy. Is he concerned? And I don't know if he's going to ever say this right or bring it up, but is he concerned about what the team is going to look like next all in the season? You know, Does what? that matter? I don't, I don't think that's what, I don't think that matters. I just think you have a situation with a player that had a tough season and he got benched in the in the damn NCAA tournament game. Right. And he probably felt like, what the fuck? I feel like that might have been his last straw. I think that was his final, like, all right, cool. <laughs> I'm done. Right. I'm not starting. More, yeah, I think it was more than that than the roster next year. Because if you ask me, even if Kofi doesn't come back, obviously we're losing Frazier and, and, and Grandison and and uh, and Plummer or whatever. Right. I mean, even though Grandison could come back, I mean, the guy's 23, 24 years old. I think that it's time for him to try to figure out his pro aspects. But anyway, even mm-hmm. with losing those type of guys, we're bringing in a Jay Neps. We're bringing in a Sincere Harris. We're a Ty Rogers coming in here. Right. I don't think that this team is going to be worse than they were this season. Okay. I know some people will disagree with me, but I think that if you got a guy like R.J. Melendez who takes the next step that we all think he's going to take, Colin oh, Hawkins takes that next step, Luke Goody takes that next step, Brandon Podzinski takes that next step, then with the addition of those three coming into the mix – I think we're going to be good. This is going to depend how those freshmen that are going to be sophomores next year, how they take that next step. But I don't mm-hmm. think that that's why he left. I think he left because there might have been something going on between him and Brad. Also, I just think that he probably wants to be somewhere that's going to feature him so he has the ball in his hands and he can run. Because if you think about what Andre Cabello does best, that passing ability is sensational. You remember that Big Ten champ, the Big Ten tournament, AW recovered it. When he was going down the court and he threw that bounce pass down the court for that score, and he yes. did that shit all in one in one flick of motion, I said, "That's some NBA shit right there." For real? No, 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 no lie there, Chris. I'm with you. So when you see stuff like that, I feel like his style of play, he maybe he maybe needs to go somewhere that just lets him play free. That yeah. might just be that might be where he needs to go. You know what? Not <laughs> to bring it up, Chris. It might be that style. It may be the, the other wool style of play, you know, because um, now like, you hit a good point. Because other wool like to go half court game, right? Hey, feed the ball, you know, that style. And that's what worked for the team that made the team successful. So Because they, they were dumping it down to Kofi. Correct, correct. So now you like, hey, you're not really playing my style to my strengths. So I want to move the tempo, right? Like we saw how those guys playing with Purdue, right, Perez? Those guys, you know, with Ivy, they moving, right? They moving the ball. They gone, right? So playing a different style, that might be important to him. So to his strengths. So you make a good point there, Perez. I mean, I hope the guy making the right decision for himself, you know, if that's the case. Yeah. And, and to your point, when you talk about Purdue's style of play, you're right. Jay Nivey and them boys, they run. Even they, <laughs> even with them having a seven-footer with Zach Eady, yep. they still run. They still get out. But, that's okay, it. 
I got to bring this up just because you did bring up Jaden Ivey's name. <laughs> going into this season, there were a lot of people that were trying to figure out who's going to have the better season, Jaden Ivey or Andre Cabello. And it was a debate because people were like, both of these guys are on a lot of watch lists. And then what happened? Jaden Ivey exploded this season, turned into a lottery pick, and then yep. Cabello regressed, had a really bad season. Yeah, man. Tell the two guys, right? One guy elevated, other guy did not, man. And hell, the other guy's going pro now. So the other guy probably yep. spent another season in college. Well, yeah, Cabello's definitely either that or he's gonna go play in that Puerto Rican basketball league, one of the two. But whatever happens, man, I would say this, man, when it comes to Andre Cabello, even though this is only my first year covering the team, and the first part of the year, we didn't have access to him because he was out. But I would say, man, the times that I got a chance to talk with him. He was a really good interview. Honest. Mm -hmm. He didn't give you bullshit answers and responses. And he was thoughtful. And I like that, man. And, and I really hope that, man, he finds his true happiness with basketball, life. I just hope that everything's good with a bad way. He gets to a place where he really is in love with and he can go back to have a fun on the court again. Yeah, man, that'd be dope, friends, if it happens that way for him, man. Because the kid wants it. It looks like for us, he really wants to get better. He wants to show everybody what he can do, man. And I know he's pretty much hurting off that season he had. So that wasn't what he expected. But I'm hoping, like you said, man, that he finds something that he's looking for moving forward. Yeah. And listen, for Alana fans, you guys saw that the Alana are in the running for Sky Clark. We made his top six. This is a top prospect, guys, that decommitted from Kentucky. So be Ooh. able to look out for Sky Clark news. He's going to be playing the Jordan, the Jordan brand classic game. So audience, I'm going to be keeping my eye out on him. A-Dub and I will be covering him a lot. And I hope the Scott Clark does the right thing. Bring it to the Illini, sir. Orange blue, baby. Come on home. <laughs> and the last piece for the Illini, A-Dub, Brad Underwood. Got a contract extension today. Well, good for him. I mean, I don't think Brad Underwood is a bad coach. Some people may no, – I, no I don't I, – But we, you, you and I see on Twitter, though, a lot of people be bashing him, though, Perez. I mean, you and I don't, of course. But I like Brad Underwood. This is a guy that, you know – Wants his team to play hard. Wants them to play defense, friends. He's really about discipline as well. So, I mean, I like Coach, man. And, and you know what, A.W., you brought up about Twitter. There's a lot of idiots on Twitter. So, these people argue any goddamn thing. But you're right. After that damn uh, – play, uh, after the second round loss, they were going in on Brad. And I'm sitting here like, okay, yes, Brad did not make adjustments. I did not like the Cabello got benched in the second half of the game. But look at what Brad Underwood has done here in Illinois. He has created a culture. He has put this team back on the map in the Big Ten. So, of course, he deserves this contract extension. I think that there's some things that Brad could do better. But, shit, that's any of us. <laughs> None of us are walking around on this earth are perfect. There's some things that we all can improve upon. So, anyway, congratulations to Brad on the contract extension. And I hope that we get to have him as our coach for many years to come, bro. Yes, sir. I'm a Brad Underwood fan, Prez. I like what he's been doing, man. He's done a good job and helped change that line out culture, man. So that team has been pretty much solid these past few years, and he's a big part of that. Now, one thing I'll say, though, A-Dub, when it comes to Brad, I respect how Brad is with the media. Now, he's not <laughs> going to give you any canned responses. He's going to be fair. He's going to be honest with you. But also, if you ask him some dumb shit, He'll be afraid to fire back on you, too. And I love that shit. I love somebody that's going to mix it up with you and he's not going to give you some BS-ass response. So I just like Brad. I like his way. I like the fact that his players seem to respond to his style of play. He's a tough coach. 
He is. Uh, and not everybody can handle that type of coaching. But the type of guys that they recruit, those guys can they can take it. And, 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 and you talk about recruits, Perez. You brought it up already who they were. I mean, that's not a bad class. That's not a bad recruiting class. So for them getting extensions, like, hey, look, Brad, hey, Underwood can recruit. Yeah, now I'm now I would say this. Now we ain't getting the Duke and the and the Kentucky type of draft classes, but I mean uh recruiting classes, but and uh I like some Ty Rogers. I think he is gonna be a stud in Champagne. An absolute stud. This guy is a fucking menace on the defensive end of the court. He's gonna into his rotation immediately. Oh, that's a Brad Underwood type of player right there, Perez. He fits the bill, like you're saying. He a dog, bro. He a dog. He's also another guy that's going to be in that Jordan Brand Classic. So looking forward to that. But audience, as Illinois content comes up, if we lose somebody in the transfer portal, hopefully no one else leaves. But if we gain a guy, if Sky Clark comes here, you better you better be on the you better you better know the A Dub and I will be talking about that here on this show. Yes, sir. All right, A Dub. Our Windy City Bulls content is going to be coming to an end pretty soon. We got the home game finale coming up on Saturday, April 2nd. And audience, guys, go out there and support the team. They have made it so easy for you. The Daily Herald is offering free four, free, four free tickets to the upcoming game. You got no excuse. Free tickets, park is 12 bucks, and go support the guys for their last home game. And to be honest with you, Press, 12 bucks parking ain't bad, you ask me. So the no. parking spots we see in no. Chicago lane area. So go out there, support the team, man. Show them some love. And it's a short walk to, to, the, to the arena. So, nah, you're good. Go ahead and just do it. All right, now, speaking of just doing it, I don't know what the Bulls have been doing as of late, um, but let's talk about it. We're going to probably spend a lot of time talking about the Bulls here because it's been a rough stretch for them. Now, I know that they won last night. You know, I yeah. give them credit there. But we got to talk about the totality since the last time that we've been on this airway. Since the last time we've been on these airways, hey, the, the Bulls have not looked like the best version of themselves, man. They have impressed. And I'm not even looking at their offense at all. I'm actually looking at their defense, Perez. Uh-huh. I thought they'd be better than what they are defensively. This second half of the season after the All-Star break, that part of the game kind of dipped for the Bulls. And I'm like, we got to really get back to that, man. Getting grimy. Getting on the floor, press. I mean, being consistent with because I've seen some good times, even in some of the games they lost, where they played a good amount of defense. Then all of a sudden they go back to not playing at all. I'm like, come on now, now we're waiting on offense. So they gotta really get back into that grind mode, man. No, they, they really do. They really do. Because when you look at it, I just looked at it like they're getting punked. Yeah. I mean, I, that Milwaukee <laughs> Bucks game, the Milwaukee Bucks game was frustrating because we got punched in the mouth. We got pumped by the Pelicans. You can't tell me anything different. And my whole thing with this is, with six games left in the season, I don't want us pl- dealing with any sort of playing game bullshit. I want us to be in a, a situation where we are a solidified lock in the playoffs, bro. Yeah, I'm with you that, Perez. Because the team, we cannot fold like that for being one of the top, what, three teams, Perez, most of the season, and then dip that far down? Like, come on now. How the hell do you go that far down? Because let's, let's be honest here with that. We, we start dipping down that list, and you're going to be having a team that you don't want to match up with in the first round. <laughs> you really don't, man. It makes it really tough for having the first round being at home, right? Having at home, you know, starting off at home to now going on the road. So that's a huge difference. Then you talk about the play-in, Perez. 
Hey, what if you lose that? Mm-hmm. So I don't know, man. But I, I'm just saying when I look at this, we it's just time that we got to step up now. It was good that we beat the Wizards. I talked about that earlier. But there's still a lot of things with this team right now that I'm just concerned about. I'm concerned about Zach. Zach, to me, still doesn't look right. And I keep talking about that. We also see where Caruso has taken over the point guard spot from Io. So we see that Billy now going into the playoffs, that's kind of his move. I think he wants to go with the veteran over the rookie. And for me, I'm not even sure that's a, the, the right idea or not, Perez. I do know the rookie was showing us some signs of getting better. Io was coming along strong, Perez. And now I got a question for you, A-Dub, because this is a lot. I mean, I see a lot of, um, on Bulls Twitter where the fan base is pretty unhappy. I mean, even with the way last night, people were still kind of like indifferent. But what would make you feel like this has been a successful season for the Bulls? Well, to me, a successful season for the Bulls, I thought would be top five. Okay. Top five in the East. So, I mean, you're right. There's some strong teams, right? We all Before all this stuff happened, we, on paper, right, before the season started, we looked at the Nets. We knew Milwaukee's going to be there, right? 76ers, right? Yep. Like somewhere along the lines, the Bulls are going to be somewhere in there, right? Yep. To me, Perez, if Cleveland if Cleveland Cavaliers have a better record than the Bulls, I'm like, hold on, I'm a little concerned. I'll be a little concerned with that, right? Because I, I didn't see Cavaliers being that far up. I'm just saying. I thought the Bulls would be better than them. So for me, a success would be the Bulls being the top five, I thought. No, and that's fair. I think, honestly, if you look at where the Bulls have come from and the fact that they were one of the top four, I mean, they were a top three team for a, a major part of the season. I mean, the injuries, the COVID shit that was going on. Yeah. I thought this team was battled. So for me, I'm right along with you. I think if they finish in the top five and give us – we see something in the playoffs, whether it's, hey, they make it to maybe the second round of the playoffs or something along those lines – I consider that progress because where, we, where they came from, shit. <laughs> Nobody want to go back to that, Perez. No, no, no. And like I said, we haven't been as dominant as we were earlier in the season. But the thing is, the Bulls are relevant. I love that. They are relevant, man. And that's why you and I gave the Rose a lot of props of what he's been able to do for this team, man. Coming on, being the MVP and all that good stuff. I know he dipped a little bit, you know, but – he, he held it down early on, man, for, for a long while. And um, we got to salute a guy for doing that. So you're right, Perez. The culture here has actually changed. Well, and even with a guy like DeRozan, yeah, he's kind of slowed down a little bit. But at the same time, he still leads the NBA at fourth quarter score. He's still that guy down the stretch that the ball's in his hands and he's making plays for us. And right. one thing that I like about DeRozan and his mentality is, even if he is struggling a little bit, he going to keep shooting the fucking ball. And with that, Perez, he's taking quality shots. He's taking the shots that he normally can make. So I have no problem with a guy taking his shots, right? The shot that you've been hitting all season long may not be falling for you at a particular time. But for me, I'm, 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 I'm okay with that. Well, yeah, but listen, you got to have that type of mentality. Shoot to shoot. Yep. That's what, he, that's, what he, that's what we brought him here for. You know, he's, he is that guy on this team. He's the closer. He showed you that all season. He's that guy. So He has delivered. Yeah, he's brought us here, and we we come and go as DeMar DeRozan goes, and that's just the way I see it. Yeah, man, that's kind of how this team has been, Perez. But I'm starting to see teams are loading up on DeRozan. They are really trying to, to try to slow him down, man. And that's where other guys really got to step up when you start to see these teams loading up on DeRozan. 
No, it's, 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 it's a fair point. Now, we have the return of Pat Williams. And then Pat Williams, I thought that was a really good return for this team because, A-Dub, that's left and athleticism that we're going to need going into the playoffs. Now, right? a lot of Bulls fans were coming after Pat Williams because he kind of struggled a little bit in his return. But we saw in yesterday's game, Pat Williams gave us some really good minutes out there, and even Billy Donovan was like, hey, I like what I saw from him in the game. Yeah, Pat Williams still needs some time, Perez. You know, we come back from an injury. You just can't come back right away and be great. And I think a lot of people, like, expected so much out of him right away. No, let him work his way back into the game. So you're right. We got, we got a good showing from him the last game against the Wizards. He kind of held his own ground, man. Played some very solid defense. But oh, that's yeah. what's going to happen for him, man. Give him time. Give him time. And that's what we need from him because with that size, that's going to be a really good advantage because – he can really get out there on the wing and really diesel people up. And some of these prolific scorers that are in the league, that's going to be really important. Come playoff time, you can throw a guy like that on somebody and get a stop, hopefully. Yes, right? sir. Absolutely. We're going to need that. We need <laughs> that for real. But also another thing, too. So we got five games left in the season. So when I look at this, I'm like, okay. One of my biggest things with this team is getting to the free throw line more. When I was at that Bucks game, the – DeMar DeRozan and Vooch, they had zero free throw attempts in that game. Now, I know some people may say, oh, it was bad officiating. But the officials aren't going to bail you out. Think about when the playoffs come. You have to force the issue. And that's what I want this team to do. Stop settling and force the issue. Force the officials to make a call. Force them to give you the calls. You got to take the game to these, uh, these opposing teams. But we got to come to realization as well, Perez, that DeRozan and Vooch, they're not a lot of they're not the guys who really gonna get to the free throw line a lot because you see what they do, right? Vooch settle for jump shots, right? He don't always be in the paint like that. Then DeRozan is a mid-range shooter. A lot of times he gets fouled on his jump shot. So he's not really attacking the basket like that unless it's a clear lane, right? So it's like these guys' style of play don't really fit towards the free throw, right? So you kind of wonder, man, like what these guys are really thinking, um, you know, when it comes down to uh, when they start to play. So, again, it's all about the style, man. And, I mean, you and I both, we like Vooch. We let's see what he does. But Vooch more of a pick and pop, man. And, and again, you got Zach Levine. He's doing a lot of jump shot shooting, you know. You don't see Zach attacking the basket like that. And we know he got a little injury going on that we know about with the knee. But, again, we don't have the guys that's really going to the basket like that. And these guys, other guys on the team, like – Cody White, you know, I'm um, sorry, White, Io, Caruso, they play off the Rosen, Zach, and Vooch. Those guys don't attack the basket either. They sell for jump shots and things of that nature. So we don't have that, that grabby guy that says, you know what, that score that say, look, I'm going to get to the basket, I'm going to attack the basket, and I'm going to be going to the free throw line. They're not like, you know, I hate to throw this dude name out there, but they're not like the dude from the 76ers, man. They're not like James Harden. <laughs> these guys really are shooters, man, and, in a way. And, and, well, well, I thank God that they don't flop like that because that I know. Shit him. <laughs> that son of a bitch. I know, right? I'm not a fan of his either, though. I'm just proving the point, though. I know, I, I know, I know. <laughs> I just, when I hear that name, I'm like, listen, yeah, he, so this is the thing, and I'm not going to, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to get, you know, detracted too far, but the point that you were making is the fact that James Harden draws contact, he draws fouls. We don't have yeah. a lot of the team. Now, I will say this. When Zach Levine's in his bag, he gets to the line. But I would like to see DeRozan and Vooch do that because the playoff time, I'm telling you, these officials, they are not going to give us anything. We got to go out there 
we got to push that on them. We got to get them to make calls. But Zach will be, I'm hoping he's just pacing himself for the playoffs. And I'm hoping, man, Zach, we see the first half Zach in the playoffs. I really do. I hope so, too, man. And one part of Zach's game that I'm really looking at, Perez, because I know he has the capability of doing so, is his defense, man. I just don't know how bad that knee is, Perez. It's been talked about too much. So, you know, we see good games from offensively and people think that's it. No, man, it's two sides of the ball. And you know what you're going to do in the offensive end, but a lot of times on defense, it's dictated by how the, the offensive guy is going to go against you. So that kind of movement, and can your knee hold up? Right. No, that's true. And like I said, I just, to me, I know Zach is, he's toughing it out. If this was uh, last season when the Bulls were going nowhere fast, they would have shut Zach down for the season. I think right. that's where his, I think that's where it's at with his knee. I think you're right, Perez. You probably yeah. got the right idea. He's gutting it out for his teammates. But speaking of another uh, guy on the team that, that has a little of a knee issue is, is Lonzo. And we talked about it last week. You said, hey, his he has not responded from the rehab. He's not responding to rehab. And when you look at that situation with Lonzo Ball, the fact that he was still feeling pain during the rehab portion of things, they had to shut him down. They had to get him out of rehab for a little bit, let the knee calm down a little bit, and now they're going to try to ramp him back up again. So when I look at that with five games left of the season, it's a situation here where Lonzo Ball may not even be available for the first round of the playoffs. Dang, that's going to hurt, man, because I thought – Zoe is a big part of this defense, Perez. You and I talked a lot about, right? Him and Caruso was having a phenomenal beginning of the year, man. And um, the fact that we don't have Zoe, it, it's hurting us. It really is. And, you know, Zoe has been one of those guys who've been hitting that three-pointer very well for us. And that's something we ain't been doing good at either lately, Perez, in the three. So you miss a guy like that who can hit the three and bring defense, man, that's hurtful, man. It's painful. Yeah, and it just bothers – It just it's a bothersome injury because not only did he have the torn meniscus, but he also has a bone bruise in that knee. So he's got a lot going on. Sheesh. And so at that age as well, it's just, you know, it's one of those things. If he's not responding, then it just makes you wonder, like, hey, is there something like long-term is going on here with his knee? So just it's just, you know, I'm hoping that they don't rush the guy back, think about his long-term health over a playoff run, you know? I'm with you there, Perez. I'm thinking that with this knee injury still, I mean, with the injury still have going on, he might be shut down for the whole season and playoffs, man. Well, we'll see what happens there. But I will say, when you look at this team right now, that next game was disappointing. I'm glad we bounced back against the Wizards. But in that game, a 37 points for DeMar DeRozan. He did all he could do, but he didn't have anybody that was riding with him. And then we see the Alec Burks. I mean, Alec Burks, for Christ's sakes. They couldn't stop him. And so you can't have games where you can't stop Alec Burke. In the playoffs, come on, man. Right. You let a guy like that go off, you cooked. Yeah, you cooked, Chris. And that's why you and I keep talking about the defense. Like, what are y'all doing? Not him. Okay, I get other guys, right? RJ, whatever, you know. But him? Come on, man. We tripping. We are tripping defensively. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't like that shit at all. 27 points for him. And, like, yeah, RJ got his. He had 28. Obi Toppin, he was doing his thing. But the Knicks are so far out of it. I'm like, that was just a winnable game. And that's my thing. That's been my problem with this team is losing these winnable games. Now, I'm not even going to get into the fact that what everybody else is talking about with the Bulls record against top opponents, which we haven't beat. Oof. Oof. We haven't. Right. But I'm talking about the winnable games. What are we doing? Yeah. And the thing is, Perez, what kind of production are we getting off the bench? The bench ain't even bringing it, though. So that's concerning in itself. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I want to give Zach a little credit. He Zach did his thing in that Knicks game a little bit. But I was talking about, to your point, Dub, where was the bench? Where, were the, where was the other people? Where, where were y'all at? Because DeMar DeRozan, she, he left it all on the court in the Madison Square Garden. He left it all out there. He did, man. He, and the thing is, he played a lot of minutes, too. 41 minutes, 37 points. That's a lot, man. He done yeah. his part for his and some, right? Yep. <laughs> but you, you got to look at the other guys, man. You know, what's up with Tristan Thompson? What's up with, you know, Green? What's get, up get, with White? Get, 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 uh, Tristan over there getting ejected from games. Yeah, like, come on, man. You guys, we need you, you know? Kobe White. Yeah. Right. The team. So it's like... You guys got to play with Zach, Vooch, and DeRozan. You can't leave those three on the island by themselves. No. And to your point earlier you made when it came to Caruso over Io, I mean, listen, I think Io has had a tremendous rookie year. He's learned a lot. And I think in a playoff series, Io's going to be better for all the playing time that he got. And I think that those minutes that he's going to get in the playoff series, if we get nice and concentrated, Io's going to do his thing. I, I, I have no concerns there whatsoever with them. But to the point that you made, our bench, they got to step it up, man. They really do. Man, if we don't have no bench prayers, this is going to be troubling for us, man, because you're expecting too much. You're putting too much on DeRozan. Like I said, Zach and Vooch, you're making those guys have to be great. I mean, I mean, great, great, right? Every night. And that's just too much you're asking for. Well, because what you're going to start seeing, you're going to start to see DeRozan's uh, shooter percentage start to, to go down. So his score may still stay the same. But you're going to start to see it not be as efficient as we talked about in the past with him. We say, hey, DeRozan gets to his spots. He's efficient. He scores at a nice clip. But when these teams load up on him, he can only do what he can do. And that's why yeah. it's going to be important for guys like Vooch to continue to, you know, give us a little something there, you know, in the middle. Absolutely. We're really going to need Vooch big time, man. That guy going to have to give us more than, like, he gave us – I mean, he gave us 16 against the Knicks, but we're going to probably need to see more, more production from him going forward because, you know – these two guys, Zach and DeRosa, they have carried us. We need a third wheel that's going to be very efficient, Prez, and especially a guy that can do something different than what those two guys, Zach and DeRosa, can do. If Vooch, you can do bail in the, in the inside, man. Take advantage of the inside. Dominate it if you got to. Let's not settle for jump shots when we don't need it. Yeah, well, I would say this. I mean, Vooch did his thing against the Wizards, and I hope that that was a catalyst for what we're going to see further down the stretch because – with DeRozan putting up another 30-ball game, uh, Vooch almost a 30-ball game of himself. I thought that that was a victory that we needed. And, again, against a winnable, uh, a winnable game against yeah. a team that you should beat. That's what we yeah. saw. We got to continue that down the stretch here. No playing game for the Bulls. No playing None. game. Keep that shit out of here. That's it, Perez. No playing, no games down the stretch, man. Let's bring it. Let's play hard, man, and get ready for the playoffs. That's what the Bulls' mindset should be. How we want to play in the playoffs, how we're going to get there. Let's work towards that. And, A-Dub, let's talk about the fact that we got the Clippers coming in here and Paul George is back. Woo! I saw his last game. <laughs> hey, Bro. Paul George didn't Bro. play. <laughs> Bro. Hey. Paul George wanted all the smoke out there, boy. Yeah, he did, man. Now he come to play against us? Hey, look, this guy may come ready, so we can't take the, the Clippers lightly, man. We got to play hard against these guys. They are a better team with, with Paul George for sure. They're playing okay without him, but, man, it makes them even better with him. So we got to come prepared and, and put the clamps down on that guy, man. Let him know that, look, you just getting back. Ain't no way you come back and give us 30. <laughs> Take the 15. <laughs> Pat Williams, you better be ready. Got to be ready. Bring that defense. Well, speaking of someone that's ready, Matt Eberflus, 
Got to give this guy a ton of credit, A-Dub, because he's doing what a lot of his previous predecessors or his predecessors have not done with the Bears. A lot of these coaches, they want the former players to kind of be here as mascots. Matt Eberflus was like, no, I want these guys to actually come in here and work with us and get in here and help us out. And a lot of these former players have talked about the fact that he's reached out to them personally. Peter Tillman talked about mm-hmm. the fact that he got invited to come and work with the DBs. And that is something that I've talked about so much about. Why would why wouldn't you take advantage of a guy like that and that skill set? Think about how he transcended the game with punching the ball out. We talked about how we weren't creating turnovers for the Bears last season, but you had a guy right here that created 42 fucking fumbles in his career as a DB. And you so, don't want to have a guy like that coming in the fold? Well, that was a missed opportunity by Nagy and his last coaching staff, but it looks like Iberflus has learned his lesson because he wants a guy like that, and not just Tillman, but he wants those guys to come back. You know what, Perez? I'm with you, man. That was I was excited when I heard that. I don't even lie to you, man. I don't get a lot excited about stuff like that, but to see that he's doing something different, man, and they say he reached out to, like, what, 3035 Bear alumni? I'm like, man, that's dope right there because you had a good point. We talk about Tillman, man. Why not bring a guy in to teach the peanut punch? You're right, man. Look at his career. It speaks for itself. Why not have that voice or someone to come and teach those kind of things, man? So seeing Iberflu's valuing the, the history of it, valuing the veterans who did that thing with the Bears, man, the alumni, that's just dope. And I think that is a good way of, you know, if you ask me about Iberflu's, that is a good way to show that I'm still a learner. I still appreciate this culture this of Bears Nation. Yeah, because the way that the organization has treated the alumni has just been more of like a glorified situation. Any of you guys that go to Bears games, you know, they'll do the alumni interview, the fans will give them a standing ovation. That's it. Yeah. But they're more outsiders. It seems like Iberflus wants to keep things more inclusive. I like mm-hmm. that. Jimbo Covert, he talked about the fact that when he got hired, he got a text message from Matt Iberflus saying, hey, I just want to introduce myself to you and let you know that you're welcome here at any time. Jimbo Covert said that's the first time that any coach has done that. And that tell you, like, wow, that's enough said right in itself, Chris. Like, where's the respect for the alumni, right? And I think, to me, I don't think we have shown, the Bears Nations haven't really shown the alumni the kind of respect that, that they deserve, man. And I'm glad that some coach now, new coach come in, understand that, hey, those guys should be part of this franchise. And let's, let's just be honest here. This is a Hall of Fame guy, Jimbo Covert, that I'm talking about. This ain't just some regular alumni. This is a Hall right. of Famer. And the fact that he said this is the first time, that's a problem. Big time. And, and when you look at some of our notable alumni, you got Julius Peppers, Brian Olacker, Lance Briggs. I mean, I can keep going. The list is on and on. Dick Buckus. There's all type of names on that list of guys. Richard Dent. Yeah. Bring these guys in. But I, lo- I will salute Aberflus for the fact that they say he's reached out to about 35 of the Bear alumni. That's amazing, the fact that he just got on the job and he's hitting the ground running. He understands it, Perez. He totally get it, man. It's just a shame that it took a guy from the outside to come and do this, man, when you thought that. But it's just that's another story. But, man, it just shows you that the alumni, Perez, got to be part of this franchise, man. They got to have a voice. That's the most important thing because they know what it means to be a bear. They know what it means to go out there on that field, Perez, and give it your all every single game, man, and also in practice as well. So those guys are important. These are big-time Bears players who play for this team, man. They deserve that kind of a credit. No, they really do. Like I said, salute to the coach for doing that. You know, the jury's still out on what his Bears tenure is going to look like. But I will say he's not doing a bad thing by involving those guys in the mix. I really think that's going to be really important for us. Respect. Uh, 
A-Dub, before we close the loop on the episode, Chicago Sky, Trey Alexi Brown, tough loss for us. What say you? Yeah, Press, I'm going to miss Lexi Brown. I know she's very active on Twitter. She always has some dope comments to make. <laughs> I ain't going to lie. I respond to some of them sometimes, man. But, yeah, man, I'm going to miss her. I thought she was a nice little solid guard for the for the team. But I do understand that, you know, size, that the team do need some size. And getting the center like that, man, to come over here, even though she doesn't have any experience uh, playing the WNBA, I still think her coming from China, she has some that she can share with us. So she can bring something to the table as a center, and we can utilize that size around six, seven. Yeah, and I think that's a, a good point because with that move of Lexi Brown getting traded, I think that pretty much closed the loop on the moves that Coach and GM Wade are going to be making. I think the roster yeah. is where it's going to be at. Mm-hmm. And, you know, fans, I know you guys don't like change. A lot of people are upset with the move. But at the same time, yeah, I know she was a fan favorite, but that's why you can't get attached as a business. And <laughs> Coach Wade is doing everything in his power to build this roster that to, to where it's one that's going to be built to repeat. Now, a lot of people feel like this roster has not improved. But we don't know. Because I think that the roster, in my opinion, A-Dub, while it doesn't have – the star power that the roster had last season. I still think that it has more depth associated with it than it did last year. And that's the key right there, Perez, depth. I like what you just said there, too, because I think this team is more built for the long haul than it was before. So having depth is going to be an important piece because we saw with injuries that happened last year, last season, how it hurt the team a little bit. Well, this time now, you know, if you got these pieces in place, you can, you probably you may be able to get by. Yeah, and I, I think so, too. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to you and I covering the team this year. Audience, you know, we're going to be your go-to place for all things Chicago Sky. Keep standing to it with your boys. Yes, sir. Final segment time, if this city could talk. And they dealt on to keep this very short and to the point. I want to speak to the audience about conflict resolution. So here in Chicago, we had a recent incident where a CTA employee actually shot a passenger or a, what do you call it, one of the riders, he shot a rider three times. So there was an incident where him and this rider were getting into a, a verbal dispute. And the rider got the best of him, got a punch in on him. Well, what this CTA employee decided to do, A-Dub, was he decided to go get his gun, which, why you got a gun at work, son? Right. And followed this dude down the stairs and shot him in his back three times. And obviously, he realizes in that moment, my life is over. Yes, because in the blink of an eye, you went from having a job, having the freedom to go home, to now you're in jail with no fucking bond. So if this city could talk, we got to resolve conflict more effectively in this world. You know, like, I understand. I'm a gun owner. I understand that you have to have things to protect yourself. But at the end of the day, you got to be a responsible gun owner. You can't be bringing a gun to work and then somebody gets the best of you in a fight and now you're upset, now you're emotional, now you go take that gun and now you go shoot somebody in the back three times. That ain't a good look. So if this city could talk, be responsible, do better. And it also just leads you to believe that certain people shouldn't even own firearms because if you got that type of mentality, bro, you soft. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Man, do better, y'all. I'm with you there, Prince, man. You got to do better on that stuff, man. Because there's no way you got to let it escalate to the point to where you got to shoot somebody. All that probably could have been avoided how you took the high road. So you're right, man. Sometimes we got to check our emotions there, Prince. Mm-hmm. If this city can talk, it will say salute to Joseph Caldwell, the singer, 
Um, he has a pretty much um, a, clo um, a clothing company, clothing player for cleaning. Um, he's been cleaning White Sox jerseys for 29 plus years, man. And, and he's a minority, right? And I got to salute that, that part of the things because, you know, these are things you don't hear a lot about, but these are people who do great things behind the scenes. And a guy like Joseph Caldwell has been around a long time, man, long time for us. And to see him continue to do these things for the White Sox and clean their jerseys and the White Sox doing business with a, a minority company, to me, I think that's excellent. I would love to see more companies do that, work with minority companies and give them opportunities. So you can see that, hey, so these opportunities you give out can last a long time. So just seeing this here, salute. And I would just say to the rest of the world in Illinois, hey, give the minority some opportunities here. Hey, I love that one, A-Dub, and salute to, to the White Sox for bringing him in. And, and like you said, we have so many Black-owned businesses, not only just in Chicago, but around the country. Mm -hmm. And it's, 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 it's about damn time that these companies get exposure to opportunities the same way the other companies get. So, I mean, mm -hmm. you and I here in Chicago State of Mind, Black-owned media company. And that is top of mind for me. Those same opportunities that are available for mainstream media and other type of platforms those opportunities need to be made across the board for everybody. And you know what? We're going to make a way for ourselves. And I give a salute to Joseph for figuring out and making a way for himself as well. Absolutely, Chris. Hey, audience, as always, we appreciate you guys and your continued support of this platform. With the Chicago State of Mind, thanks for listening, and we are out. Jordan was, he never asked me to do something that he didn't fucking do. I'm only doing it because it is who I am. That's how I played the game. That was my mentality. If you don't want to play that way, don't play that way.